This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hi, I'm Anika Allen and welcome to episode two of the Black Magic Podcast. In each episode, I'm going to be talking to extraordinary Black British women about their journey, what inspires them, what challenges them, what are their hopes, what are their dreams, what are the things that have affected them in their life in order for them to achieve their accomplishments today. Later on, you're going to hear from comedian, writer and producer and entrepreneur Angela Ma. But right now, I'm joined by social influencer Cassandra Loco and fashion entrepreneur Yolanda Letshu. As a social influencer, for yeah. somebody that doesn't know kind of what that is, because you hear that name and you're like, mm-hmm. is that even a job? Like, what, what do you do? Yeah, even when I first heard it, I was like, is that even a job? No, literally, um, people always ask me, well, what is an influencer? And I just kind of, I kind of say it like, I'm just someone who influences people so for someone that doesn't know what that is I literally I speak and people listen that's what I say I literally speak I have conversations I just share my opinions and people are interested in it so that's why I'm a social influencer but how do you make money from that (laughs) this is the question I feel like I get everyone thinks um since my wedding went viral and now I'm on YouTube and there's like thousands of views nearly a million a million on my wedding video they're like you must be rich and they see the places that I've been it's it's quite hard to make money from being a social influencer it's more you make money more from brands and brand deals and for me I'm trying to stay quiet I don't know, authentic with it. So I try not to just associate myself with any and every brand. So it's quite hard to stay authentic and still make money at the same time. You um, make videos on YouTube, Mm -hmm. Instagram and Mm -hmm. things. So, I mean, how much effort do you put into all this? It's a lot of work. People think it's like, you know, you just sit at home and then record. No, it's a lot. Like you have to set up a camera. I have to get ready to record. I have to know what topics I'm going to talk about. And just, I usually, it's me and my husband that does the channel on our YouTube. So um, we normally think of a topic and then we'll sit down, kind of discuss the topic a little bit and then we'll just get to recording. So it's a lot of work. It's, it's an everyday job and it's 24 hours. So it's all different times. I get questions at all different times of the night, you know, about people's relationships, questions that sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. But yeah, different questions. Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. And it's even with what you do and uh, like, um, like, how do you find the kind of social media side of your business and trying to kind of get your name out there and and people knowing what you do. Yeah, I think when I started um, in the fashion business industry, social media wasn't a thing. You didn't need to have social media. Um, at some point, Twitter came along, but it was more like networking um, and just um, going to like different events and stuff. So it's been a huge adjustment even for me. And even with video, I'm still not there. I mean, I, I tried to do a couple of videos um, the other day of more about my new art collection and things. And it's like I took, you know, we redone the um, shooting about 20 times and I still wasn't happy. I was like, how do these YouTube people do this? Like I can't, it's, and it's really hard work. You know, it's it's a lot of work. People just think you're in front of the camera, mm. you know, and, and I just find it overwhelming. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things you adjust with the times, isn't it? And that's where we're heading. So, you know. But you're used to hard work. I mean, you've worked at Fashion Week and from, you know, if, if you've ever been at Fashion Week, guys, then... <laughs> 
it is hard work. It's not just all models walking up and down the catwalk. I mean, tell me a bit more about what you yeah, do. Yeah, I think I think people, um, in terms of Fashion Week, people think it's just glamorous. You know, you work with all these glamorous people, models on the catwalk. Um, I think it's glamorous for celebrities and people attending that just have to sit, you know, and watch the models. But, you know, it takes about six months, five to six months to produce a show, a catwalk show, which, you know, lasts about 10 15 minutes which people don't realise the effort there's so much involved like even building the catwalk the production um, and even like you know in terms of the models you've got to work out the looks um, you know and sometimes designers want to use the same model like three times so you've got to think about the order but then the order has to complement the rest of the collection you know it, it, it's just mental backstage and when I started out in the fashion industry um, I used to be a backstage manager and it was like one of the most traumatic things ever in the beginning and I was like I'm not sure about this like if I made the right choice in leaving um, TV and radio production for this Um, so yeah it was like um, it's really mental and it's not glamorous at all Um, not how people think I wish you know like I always looked horrendous by the end of fashion week so (laughs) (laughs) with everything you did in fashion week you kind of ran your own business and things I mean what do you find the biggest challenges were personally and professionally yeah I think um Professionally, it was the fact that, you know, I was really young. I mean, at age 24, I got headhunted to be the fashion director for Nolksha, um, which is a New York, New York based branding agency. And I think trying to manage people older than me when you're 24, mm-hmm. and I looked about 12 then. So. <laughs> yeah, you look about 15 now. <laughs> <laughs> so can you imagine like trying to manage older people and then mm. thinking, who's this 15-year-old telling me, you know? Um, so I found that really challenging. And I found that I had to constantly prove myself it took a while for people to listen um but then you know when I spoke and things made sense and you know um we you know all the events were successful I brought on so many new clients um and got involved in so many new projects that I launched and I helped so many emerging and independent um designers become sustainable because a lot of brands out there a lot of people want to start a fashion label but they don't know what it takes the amount of money or how they're going to make money they have no idea how do I get into shops what do I present so I used to work on all these kind of strategies and things like that meeting with buyers so yeah I would say definitely um, being young looking even younger was was one of the most challenging um, aspects of what I had to do in terms of personally I would say trying to even maintain um, a personal relationship you know um because it's like you're you're never available I was constantly traveling um you know one month I might be in Poland another month I might be in Romania um another month in the Caribbean so it was kind of like who am I dating this girl's never available like I need her right now I'm going through a tough time but yeah it was really challenging and it was an emotional uh roller coaster when it came to trying to you know have a relationship with someone and for them to even understand what you're you doing know. Yeah, I can imagine. So you're there trying to have a relationship in the first place, and your relationship is living out yeah. there enough to the public on social all media. Over, all so over social media. How do you find that kind of? Because everybody must want to know every single bit of your business, and you know, obviously, there's been relationships on social media yeah. that ended. Yeah, ended recently. I'm sure we. 
we all know some of the one of the big big ones on social media that's ended. Yeah, and that's like, obviously you're blessed. You're, you know, that's your husband. Yeah, you know, that's for life. But you know, I'm sure people want to know every little bit of your business. They do. So, how do you find that? Like, do you know? At first, it was because obviously we put I put a picture up. I didn't expect. It's not like I planned it, so I didn't expect what happened. So after it happened, and then we had the video on um, YouTube. I was like, you know what? Let's start a YouTube channel. But I don't think I really understood what it meant to have a YouTube channel. And I feel like it is it is a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure, especially sometimes when I go out and someone's like, Cassandra, and I'm like, <laughs> do I know them from somewhere? And I remember, okay, YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel. But I feel like because me and Carl have been together like seven years and we had a strong foundation I feel like that's the difference sometimes with certain relationships they put themselves out there during honeymoon period mm-hmm. <laughs> when everything's okay <laughs> when you know you know you're so in love but not that me and Carl are not in love but we've gone through certain things out of social media so that now we're in the public eye it's like it's normal mm. and I feel like we are quite honest and open that like we've had arguments on camera like it's <laughs> we're really honest of it so it's, it's 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 a lot of pressure but we can deal with it we can handle it so well, how do you deal with the comments because particularly mm. like you know YouTube and yeah. Instagram and things and you know the keyboard warriors and the trolls yeah. the trolls the that trolls. are all hating probably like probably secretly plotting <laughs> do you know at first I didn't see any, I don't know I was like in a bliss I feel like I didn't see any horrible comments all I saw was great comments and I was just like oh you know it's probably something that we're doing that other people don't do and then I found like and there was like a Nigerian website that had put my picture up and slandered me with like 3,000 comments like how can I be wearing that dress and and at first I was a bit like oh and then there was some Twitter you know comments that I saw and I was a bit like I was taken back and then Carl was just like Cassandra people are going to talk regardless of what you do whether you whether they think you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing they're always going to talk so you just got to kind of get used to it so now I've got used to it and I've kind of developed thick skin I know myself and the people that are kind of speaking about me don't know me Mm -hmm. they don't know me personally so the comments that they make I'm like well it's okay it's fine so that's how I kind of deal with it yeah yeah and it's um that you talked about kind of being together seven years and you guys have a solid foundation and mm-hmm. one of the things I found really sweet from your wedding video is kind of how um I guess you talked about um, each other kind of um, during the video and how he talked about um, putting the wedding off mm. um, and supporting you and things. And you, I guess, following him to his cleaning job <laughs> kind of when he first started out yeah. and things. So. Yeah, Carl's a big dreamer. And at first that was, I was just like, this guy is such a big dreamer. And often I'd just be like, can you just hurry up and go and get a nine to five? Like mm. you just, I'd fill out Waitrose um, jobs for him behind his back. So I'm like, he needs to get a normal job. But then everything he kind of was pushing towards, I kind of started to see the manifestation of it. And the more I saw it, the more I was like, okay he's going somewhere with this and I just started to support him and I was like do you know what I'm just going to keep supporting him along the way because he's got a vision and everything he kind of said just kept happening it kept happening so I was just like okay now when he says anything I'm like I'm going with it even if it sounds crazy I'm like you're a dreamer but you get it done so I feel like that's how I was able to support him because I saw at first I didn't see a lot I didn't see it I kind of saw nothing and I was the main breadwinner at the time but eventually now it's all turned 360 and yeah it's changed so with um kind of 
being a social influencer and everything you're doing can said so people see all the glitz and the glamour mm. and so, but you know is it something that you can do full time and that it can sustain you and you can be like yes this is my career this is what I do as a job every day mm. do you know I think a lot of I think for a lot of people they think that mm. and and eventually I think it can when you when, once you're doing it for a, for a while I feel like it can right now for me personally I'd say it couldn't sustain me the fact that Carl has got a good job that's what's kind of sustaining me not social media and I was um, listening to something the other day and it was just like a lot of millennials and a lot of young people think you know they see people and it's like an overnight success and they're like amazing but that overnight success can take up to 10 years so for me now I've kind of I'm like alright Cass take off your sprinting shoes put on your walking shoes this is a long journey and now I'm looking for a job so if anyone wants to hire me <laughs> yeah I am looking for a job I just want to I want to learn more mm. and put more into what I'm doing and become an even better influencer once I've learned a bit more so yeah no, that's nice to hear because I think that a lot of people you know watch all the kind of reality TV programs mm, you yeah. you know you look on YouTube and you think oh my god these people are making loads of money and <laughs> they're, rich. They're, getting, they're rich they're getting deals <laughs> with all these brands and they're getting free stuff and mm. getting to go to these parties and you think you think this is life and, yeah. and people think it's easy but actually it's not easy it's not. and half those people are broke <laughs> they're, they're broke free things can't pay the bills you know, do you know what I mean and a lot of the, there's so many things that influencers and Instagram people do behind the scenes that people don't really know of so it's like I'm always just like do you know what just whatever you're doing stick at it yeah if you want to be in it like I heard another thing I heard it's like if you want to be an influencer let your job pay for what you're trying to do at the moment and until something ticks over enough for you to say, okay, I've got enough money. Don't just be like, yeah, I've got a lot of followers because followers doesn't equal pounds unless you know how to kind of do that exchange. But yeah, for now, no. Yeah. <laughs> so let me see, thinking of, I guess, speaking of tough times, things that I know there's been times when kind of you had to, you know, weigh up whether um, you wanted to kind of continue with your business and with what was happening kind of with you kind of, I guess, personally and and professionally. Yeah. So kind of tell me about some of the challenges that you've had to face kind of with what you're doing. Yeah, I would say um, when I was approaching the big 3 <laughs> well, it was a while ago now, but um, at the time... Not that long ago. <laughs> like, hello, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think it's just, um, you know, yeah, when I was approaching 30 and I just felt like, you know, I've been doing this for a number of years, traveling, um, and so many things started to change in my life. And I suddenly became ill, um, you know, and I had days where I struggled to get out of bed. Um, but I had a business to run. I had staff. I had clients, um, you know, that I had to motivate and, and, and I had fashion weeks to do. And I remember getting to this crossroad and it was like it was difficult because it was at the height of I would say the success of my business and I felt I spent so many years working for this and now I have a waiting list of clients um, I have great staff you know um, everything was kind of set up I had my showroom my studio but I wasn't happy and I started and I was battling this illness and it was one of those things where it was like I had to make a decision do I continue do I sell the business what do I do and you know it was very um emotional and a really difficult time um people couldn't see it um people just you know I still had to try and the days that I could go into work go into work smile and you know do my job but the, then I had to you know I wasn't really doing my job properly because it was like I was half there half not mm. um and I remember 
trying to um, sell, you know, I thought, let me just sell the business. And I met up with a few people that were interested in, in, in buying, but the, the passion wasn't there. And I felt like I can't just give my clients all they cared about was the money. Um, and it was something that I felt this is my baby. I'm passionate about this. Um, I've grown this to this degree. It's my reputation, you know. Uh, so it was it was a really difficult um, and challenging time for me um, and I was ill over a period of two years so it, yeah it was it was crazy and a lot of people didn't know what was happening um, what was happening you know so so basically I got diagnosed with a lung tumor it was a rare yeah. type of lung tumor um, you know and it's funny because I didn't know I had it until I kind of the way I discovered it is um, I caught a chest infection of yeah. someone that wow. done my hair and <laughs> I remember going nuts thinking what has this you know because I'm never ill <laughs> you know, I was like, so what is happening to, to Yeah, what I was like, what me? is happening to my body? Like, what the hell is going on? You know, and I remember just going back and forth, um, you know, going to see the doctor and things like that. And they were like, uh, it's probably just a minor, you know, and I was like, I know my body. I never get ill. This is different, you know, like, look at your record. I haven't been to the GP in how many years? Um, so then we kind of, he saw, yeah, no, this is serious. And he kind of referred me um, to a hospital. And, you know, eventually I chose to go with um, someone that I picked my own lung specialist um, to, to do my procedure and everything. But, yeah, it took, took about two years you know, because um, it took six months to diagnose. No one knew what it was um, because it was a condition that is only found in white males over the age of 60. Wow. So it, was, wow. like, it so, was so far from everyone's, you know, um, so no one, it didn't even cross anyone's mind. So I was going through this while still running um, a very successful business, fashion business and staff and everything. So um that had to be one of the most challenging times, I'd say. And something like that did it make you kind of refocus and really evaluate your life and what you wanted to do? Definitely, definitely, definitely made me reevaluate, um, refocus. I, I remember I was planning my wedding and stuff, and I just said, actually, I don't want to marry this man anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you kicked kick the man to the curb. It was like, you're like, I'm, 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 oh, I'm on my deathbed. Yeah. Actually, I, I, don't even, I don't even want you. I don't even yeah, want you with right. me. Yeah. Yeah, not not yeah. you. And I remember calling my best friend and saying, look, this is the situation. And she was like, can you not hang on in there until you get better? And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, I think I I don't want to go through this. And I remember even having the conversation with my mum and I said, look, mum, you know, I just feel like I I just want to hold, you know, I want to change everything in my life and I don't want to get married anymore and I don't want to... She was like, she didn't even hear everything else. I said, she just heard, I don't want to get married anymore. She was like... Are you crazy? <laughs> What's your heritage? Africans. So it was like, what are you talking about? This is what we're going to do. You're going to get married, but then you'll get divorced because we can't cancel the wedding at this stage. Everyone knows you're getting married. And it was like, she just thought I've lost my mind. And even when I was like, mom, can I move back home for a bit? Because I just, to sort myself out, yeah. to decide what I'm doing. Be she comfortable. Was like, hell no. You know? <laughs> she told you no. 
now? She said no. She was like, no, because people are going to see in the house and they're wondering what's going on. I, you know, we can't talk about. And she wasn't being horrible, mm. but it's a cultural, cultural. thing. Mm. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're almost 30. You're getting married. Whether you like it or not, get divorced later. <laughs> Even though I don't want to be with a man anymore, mum. Exactly. He's not for me. Exactly. She was just like, you're just being indecisive. So, yeah, I remember having to crash at a friend's for a couple of weeks uh, till I sorted myself out. Um, But, yes, I was going through that and going through the illness. And, yeah, it was was mental. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you learned a number of lessons. Oh, my God, it it was, yeah, I have no regrets, you know. And I would say that during that time, it made me um, think more about, because I've always been into art, I always painted. It was more of a hobby, um, you know. It was just something that I was passionate about. My grandfather was an artist, so I guess naturally I inherited his skills. And I just thought, you know what? It always made me feel therapeutic and good. So throughout that time, I just started painting again, drawing again, um, and then got back into art, you know, which really helped me. Yeah. yeah, it's nice that you could find something you love out of, mm. I guess, a crisis or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a life-changing experience. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Oh, oh wow! I mean, I guess with your life and what you've kind of gone through so far, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, you've had illness and things, but I know that your mum passed away kind of at a time mm. for you when, um, you know, like what your mum's saying, you know. Like, <laughs> Exactly. You're like, I don't want to get married. Like, I don't want to get married. You must then have the wedding. You're yeah. just wishing your mum was at your wedding yeah. and things. Yeah. I mean, tell me about how you felt kind of not having, how was it not, um, well, not, I guess, how was it not having her there? I mean, I guess. I think, you know, on the lead up to everything, it was, I was in like deep depression. I was so, so sad because I felt like my mum should be there. You know, we made plans that she's going to be there and we talked about when she's better. And she had, she was diagnosed with, um, the cancer in on mother's like in April no like the end of March and then she died in June so it was so soon it was so quick I didn't really expect it so coming up to the wedding day it's like I kind of was numb it's like I was going through with it because I felt like I knew I loved Carl and I knew that's what I wanted but I was a bit numb I was a bit like I don't know if this is I don't know if I'm ready for all of this but there was something that was telling me it's okay like things are going to get better things are going to get better and on the wedding day it was so strange but it just felt like she was there mm. more than if she would have been there if yeah. that made sense yeah so it was like she was I felt like she was just part of it and I made sure I put her in all the details so like the colour scheme that was her favourite colour and just and then we had like perfume for every guest that was named after her so little touches that I did so I did feel like she was kind of there with me so it was that's that's beautiful kind of bringing your mum into the day in that way and things I know that um I've got a number of friends who've lost their mothers and some of them have children now and mm. things. And mm. I think that's the kind of toughest thing kind of for them is um, is kind of, I guess, having their children and I guess not having their mum there yeah. kind of as a way to kind of guide them and things. That's the thing I think I always think about the most. Mm. Carl's mum has been amazing. At first I was a bit like, not like I was a bit anti her, that's wrong to say. I love her, but I was a bit like, I've got my mum. And when my mum first passed, I was a bit like, I'm not, yeah, I've got my mum. But she's been so good and mm. she's always just like you know I'm here and when you have your children so like I just feel like now okay I know that she's gonna be there so I'm a bit more because my mum was really good with children too so that was a bit like but yeah 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 that it helps that 
I know that Carl's mum's there, so it's good. You two are both kind of in, even though you're kind of, you're looking for work, what you're doing with social influencing is kind of really popping off Mm. and you're having so much success in fashion and things. So I guess if you could kind of look back and tell your younger self something at the moment, what kind of advice would you give them? For me, I I would tell my younger self that um, don't worry, don't worry too much. Like it, it, it works out. A lot of the times, a lot of times where I've stressed the most, straight after that stress, there's a breakthrough. So now, I just always told myself, okay, things might not be going right right now, but it always gets better. If you just keep going, just don't stress, don't worry. Um, and just trust God. That's what I'd say to my younger self. Trust God and it will it will work itself out. So what about you, Linda? Yeah, I would say that um you know, what I'd say to my younger self was, I guess when I was trying to, uh, you know, when I thought about working in fashion, I always felt like, oh, I don't have a fashion degree. Um, because I had a journalist journalism degree and you know I remember trying to get in for a bit and I just couldn't get in and I almost um kind of gave up and stuff and looking back I thought why did I stress so much because it found me I got headhunted to work in the fashion industry but I was all like thinking oh this is never gonna happen or this and that um so I'll definitely say you know like what um Cassandra said you know just just not to worry um things happen for a reason like when I look at my journey and things that I went through in my 20s you know everything worked out in the end um although at the time I never knew how it was gonna happen because <laughs> yeah. you never know but um, yeah like Sandra said it's just trusting God and trusting yourself to yeah. you know to just be like this is okay I can get through this mm. um, you know and, and that you know there's you're good yeah you're just going to get through everything so you know I would tell myself I would tell myself my younger self kind of not to let other people's um opinions limit um the things that you think you can do yeah definitely you know um growing up um there's kind of too many people around where you know saying no you can't do that Mm, and and actually you know you can can do anything (laughs) you can do anything and you know i've i've seen it and i've done it and you know you guys are both testament to that as well and things i think that's something i would definitely um tell my younger self kind of if I'm looking back yeah especially in this day and age you know I remember when I started out in fashion bloggers couldn't get any passes to fashion week they just used to get crossed off (laughs) (laughs) unless unless you was Liberty London girl you're not getting into fashion week Um, but now it's like they're all front row and you know there are all these fashion influences it's changed so much like Mm. like the industry and I feel like we're living you know um, the, the time that we're living now it's almost like you can become anything you mm. want to become because through social media you can you create can, your you can, own. Yeah, that's mm. it. You don't need anyone to, you know. Whereas, yeah. I, yeah, when I was growing up, they, you know, you didn't have that. So I think it's an amazing time. And that's even something that I took away from the Black Magic Awards. Um, just just literally create your own. I remember I was there and there's a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I need to find this or I need... But from that day, I just was like, Cass, if you want to do something, just go out and do it. And as long as you're still breathing, no matter, no matter how low you feel, there's always still hope. Mm-hmm. The yeah. fact that you're breathing means yeah. there's still hope. So, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things I think a lot of people took away from the Black Magic Awards is that... Um, is that don't wait for a seat at the table create your own table and I think like actually you know what if you're not going to give it me I'll I'll make my own and actually when I make my own you're going to call me to your (laughs) table and I'll decide if I want to sit there or not that's it so yeah I mean you both were there so yeah that was amazing so so I know um, I mean who are the who are the women that inspire you who are your sheroes there's so many 
um, women that inspire me. I mean, even from the Black Magic Awards, Vanessa, mm. you know. Um, Vanessa Kingori yeah. from G- GQ, yeah. now Vogue, yeah. now Vogue. Oh, Hello. Oh, yeah. Hello. Yeah. I must have missed that news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she, her, you know, she was so inspirational. Her speech, because I know how hard it is um, trying to even get, in, in, get into um, those kind of publishing companies, especially as a woman, let alone mm. woman of colour. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's amazing that that she's gotten that far, and you know, and it's nice to, you know, um, see women in those roles, mm. you know, um, and things like that. So I found her really, really inspiring. Um, but other women that inspire me, I mean, I'm inspired by um, Michelle Moan, founder of Ultimo. If anyone's ever read her book or anything, I, I've seen her talk live as well. Mm. God, my woman went for a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her husband told her she didn't know what she was doing exactly. when she did. She brought down. him into the company, yeah. even though he put her down. Then yeah. had the cheek to cheat on her yeah, with, with, the employee, with her yeah. employee, oh and then try and gosh. take her business. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah. no, no, girl. But like, yeah. she's, she's come out on top though because she did amazing. I so. think I've read so many business. Um, books and you know a lot of them have been inspiring but in terms of a lot of autobiographies some of them don't really delve too much into some of the hardships mm-hmm. and what they really went through they just talk about I was here and then I was there <laughs> whereas Michelle Moan's book she it's like she takes you on the journey um, with her and it's quite raw and I, I you know I, I like that kind of thing and what about you um for me probably Alicia Dixon Okay. I've really, yeah. One of our honorees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of just, do you know, I've realised how hard it is to stay current. Mm-hmm. And with so many things that happen, the changes, social media, and to be able to still stay current at the forefront of whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. So she's one. And Oprah. Mm-hmm. She's my. Yeah, I, I just, I, love, I love her. <laughs> and yesterday I was watching something with her and her and Ellen DeGeneres. I love them. Mm-hmm. And I was watching something and she was just like, yeah, she went to the bank because she just felt like it, and she went to put in one million. And then she was like, oh, not one million, two million. And they were just laughing. I was just like, yeah, your goals. That's what goals is for me. Going to pay two million into the bank by check. But yeah, she's and just her journey and what she mm. came from, and you know the different the different paths that she took to get to where she is now. And yeah, I just think that's amazing. So, I mean, you're both kind of navigating spaces and places where there aren't many black women, like you're in fashion and, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to spot black women kind of in fashion, particularly mm-hmm. yeah. at a high level. Yeah. And even in, and even though kind of on the social influencer space, in hair and beauty, you might see a lot of black women, but generally as YouTube, yeah. it actually, it's not a space that has very many women mm-hmm. and definitely not very women and black women or women of colour in general mm-hmm. and things. I mean, what advice would you kind of, if someone's listening and they want to get into fashion, or if they want to get into kind of doing the whole kind of YouTube thing, what was the one tip you'd say to them? Um, I would say that um, just network, talk to people, um, you know, regardless of who they are. I think one of the things that really helped me, um, <laughs> you know, on my journey was the fact that I was kind of naive to an extent because mm. I would be at, you know, at Fashion Week or at a fashion event um, and, you know, before I got into fashion and stuff, I started actually freelancing writing for different publications. Mm. And I, I would just talk to people um, without the fear of, you know, because I didn't know who they were. Yeah. And I think when you know who someone is, you're a bit, hes- you know, you're a bit hesitant. You'll be like, oh, I don't want to 
talk to them but that's blah 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 especially in fashion because everyone's kind of you know there's a lot of stuck up people or they look stuck up and it's like I'm not talking to her but I think because I didn't know a lot of these people or how high powered they were I would just be sitting next to them or see them and just start having conversations with them and then conversations led to other things and Mm. by the time I knew it it was like oh you know it led to loads of great opportunities so I would just say be be fearless and don't feel like they're still human at the end of the day Um, don't feel like oh that person is blah 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 um, I don't. I can't talk to them, and you know, just talk to people. I think fear, being fearless is definitely a good thing. I remember when I was, because um, obviously my background's in journalism as well. But I used to kind of do a lot of music and entertainment and culture. Yeah. And I remember when I was fifteen and in Birmingham where I grew up, and I was walking in Birmingham city centre, and I saw a local DJ. Um, at a phone box like near the phone box and I was like where are you going and he's like oh, I'm going to interview um, Tatiana Ali so do you remember who she is yeah like, Ashley in the Fresh yeah. Prince of Blair but yeah. kind of at the time she'd just come out with the single daydreaming oh, and things and, and I was like and I loved that song I was like oh my god you're going to interview Tatiana Ali I was like I'm coming and he said like, you can't just turn up with me I said like, why can't I I said I want to interview her because at the time I was writing for kind of like a local magazine as well Yeah, and I said no I'm coming you need to call whoever it is <laughs> and I remember at the time it was DJ Semtex who was like head of Sony Street team I said call him and so he called him and was like it was like um, and he wants to come and interview and he was like tell her to come down and, and so I just remember just being yeah. quite bold and yeah. fearless so I think definitely fearless is a good way for kind of people to be just you know just yeah. do it because what I always think what's the worst that can happen all say that no. people can say is no exactly. and then it's like okay well whatever you move on yeah. And, then, yeah. and what's the one tip you would give Cassandra I'd probably say be consistent stay consistent and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people come to me and they say oh you know I've, I've got to put a YouTube video only 10 people have seen it and I'm like that's that's 10 people that's still amazing be consistent keep going and the more people will see a lot of people just start something because they want to be a YouTuber just for the sake of being a YouTuber but start and be consistent and be authentic to yourself Yeah. when you go on to like whatever you're there's so much people on YouTube there's so many different things but when you're authentic to you people buy into that Mm -hmm. they love they'll just buy into you rather than it be like yeah I'm going to do this because this person's doing it or that person's be consistent and stay authentic. That's what I think my top tips will be. I think that's what a lot of people don't realise when it comes to um, kind of the promotion side of things. Mm-hmm. That actually, yeah, you might make a video, but actually the promotion side is the hardest, mm-hmm. part, hardest mm-hmm. part of the job. For that one video, you have to spend a good three hours <laughs> yeah. posting it on Twitter, posting it on Facebook, getting it out there, sharing yeah. it with your friends and family and hoping that they kind of pass it on to their people to kind of amplify that message mm-hmm. and things. And, and that's that's part of the hard work as well. It's yeah. not just about putting up there and, and living in hope. Yeah. It's about having a bit of a strategy behind mm, kind yeah. of what it is you're doing. And, it's true. And, so. and most of the big YouTubers, like I do research, they've been there for like five, yeah. six, seven, eight, and that they've been there for years. It didn't just happen overnight. They were getting not that many views and then eventually mm. it all builds up. So don't just look at the people that, you know, all of a sudden they've got such great followings. Just kind of be consistent and keep going. Mm. And if you're authentic and true to yourself, then someone will see Mm. the right people will see yeah Mm -hmm. but what keeps you going when things get tough um my why 
the reason why I'm doing it, I think that's what keeps me going. So mine is to encourage and empower different women and people that feel like they, they can't amount to anything. So when it's not going so well, when I feel like, oh, I've done this and it's not really worked, I'm like, okay, but what's your why? If one person's been encouraged and one person feels better about themselves, then you've done what you actually set out to do and then I'm like do you know what Cass keep going because that's the reason why you're doing it mm. so even when sometimes there's no money <laughs> I can keep going <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, w- I would say I'm one of those people that I love an inspirational quote mm. um, you know even my art the direction that it's going in at the moment is all about empowering women and making them feel uplifted and inspirational and working on um, an exhibition to kind of highlight that side of things and you know I remember watching an episode of Being Men Mary Jane, I think it was the first season, and she had like quotes all over on mm. post-it notes all over her house. And I thought, yeah. oh my god, that's me. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like I got frames all over my house of like inspirational quotes. So, so when I wake up, I'm waking up with a positive message, and I spend like 20 minutes every single day. I read something motivational or mm. uplifting to help me get through because you never know what challenges you're going to face that day. Um, so I always read. Um, something for for 20 minutes and it just you know it acts as a reminder throughout the day do you have a favorite quote oh gosh I, i would say um you can have it all but not at one all at once i think that's mm-hmm. oprah winfrey um mm-hmm. quote, you know because yeah. i think we always think that we can't have it especially as women I yeah. think there's this idea like you either have the the marriage the kids or you can't really, it's hard and rare to have the career mm. and I think working in fashion like I never really met many women that had it was, it was either they were into the career yeah. um, or they left the career to start a family and you know I just weren't coming across but now you know there's more women um, that I come across that they have it all you mm. know mm. but just not all at once. <laughs> <laughs> so Cassandra, what's what's a quote that you love? Um, too much light will blind you. So like mm. in your journey, I can't remember who it's by, but literally in your journey, there'll be like just a little bit of light, a little bit of light, too much light is blinded. We always want the, everything, I, it's mm. like your one. But yeah, it's literally too much light will blind you. So yeah, that's my quote um so quote that I love and a lot of my friends and family know I say a lot is um difficult takes a day and impossible takes a week if you keep your eyes on the prize Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just a reminder for me that actually you know something might not happen straight away but actually Mm -hmm. nothing's impossible Mm -hmm. so even if it doesn't happen tomorrow it might not even happen in the next week month or year but you know actually I will make it happen because my eyes are on the prize I know what I want to do I know Mm -hmm. where I want to go and it will happen so I kind of like to say that to myself Mm -hmm. And I always kind of say it to other people as well to motivate them, just saying, like, just keep your eyes on the prize, mm-hmm. keep on going because yeah. it hasn't happened yet, but actually one day it will if this is what you want. And yeah. I'm a big believer in kind of... Um, speaking things into existence and kind of like actually if you know you want something that eventually if it's for you it will happen yeah, yeah. so um so yeah thank you for like sharing that. your quotes with me guys you like it <laughs> yeah, yeah. good one oh. so Yolanda where can people find you how can people keep in touch and see some of your beautiful art oh so people can see my art at www.artbyyolandalecci.co.uk um, and to contact me about you know or to learn more about my fashion side of things and projects they can go to www.ymlfashion.co.uk 
And where can people see your amazing videos and just find out more about your lovely self? Um, I've got a YouTube channel, so it's under Locked In. So that's L-O-K-K-E-D-I-N. And on Instagram, I'm Cassie X1X. So you can find me there. Perfect, ladies. I'm sure lots of people are going to be following you and wanting to hear more about what you do. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so Thank much. you for being thank part you. of the magic. So one of the celebrants at this year's Black Magic Awards was comedian, writer and producer Angela Marr. Here's what she had to say. Well, I got into comedy kind of like as a part of a journey. I started off as an actress, you know, doing theatre when I was a young child from, you know, from Barbara Spake Stage School. We did little workshops there. We went on to do um, workshops and drama clubs with Lucian Youth Drama Group as a child, Dick Shepherds with Afro Sax. So we kind of, all my life, I was involved in it from, you know, some form. And as I started as an actress, I realised actually the laughter roles that I was getting, I was, I was loving it. It was like, I made everybody laugh. And they'd always say, oh, what a funny person put Angie in that role. And I kind of felt, mm, yeah, because that's my role, you know. And then watching people like Whoopi Goldberg and Richard Pryor and Joan Rivers, I realised that you could actually stand by yourself and tell jokes. And that's when I realised that is something there. So I realised that as an actress, I wasn't getting the roles as a black actress. There wasn't the roles. And I'm dyslexic, so when I go for parts, I really wouldn't get them. So when I started telling jokes in the club, it was really out of a comedy group that we used to have called the Bomaro Sisters. And then I went solo. And my first gig was I was in a blues dance. And I said to the DJ, can I, can I tell some jokes? And he gave me the mic, introducing me, saying, we have a girl who won't tell two jokes. I beg you to move back. And I remember thinking, Really? Okay, and I knew that if I could stop people scrubbing, turn the light on and make them laugh, you'd need to be funny. <laughs> so that's where it started. Well, the highlight of my career is the fact that I've been um, in control of it. You know, I've never, once I left, I used to do social work. Once I left that at about 22, I have been self-employed and running my own business from then. And I've never had to look back. So that's the highlight of my career in terms of I know how to handle what I'm doing. I know how to make it spring off and do different things. And and so for me, it's just been able to say, oh, I can write a play. Oh, I think I do radio. Oh, I think I produce that. Oh, why don't I try that? Oh, I know what, I write a book. Why don't I just try? And all of those things, my mind has always been open because I've always said to people, don't do one thing. This is a, um, an, uh, an industry that is changing very quickly so if you can write you better dance you better be able to cook and clean you better be able to do the uh, makeup and do your hair and do all of that because that's the only way you're going to survive in this game so my highlight is the fact that I've actually survived and so for me I've had lots of kind of down moments where you think you deserve something you think that you've worked hard enough for something and it's yours or it should be yours and you see maybe younger talent come over and take it and run with it and you think oh I was kind of waiting for that moment oh okay let's go back in the the black queue which is one at a time queue and wait but then I said to myself in my waiting why don't I just write a play quickly while I wait <laughs> why don't I just produce that while I wait I'll do that while I wait and then it took me out of the queue because no longer was I waiting for them to give me permission I was going to just get on with it so my company straight to audience production really came about when I thought cut out the middleman. And that's a whole story in itself, but it was that awakening that we must own the power. So no, nothing really is a problem for me, a mistake. I just kind of go, OK, that didn't work. What I'll do next time is this. And I don't look at people as comparison. 
So if I'm going to go, Whoopi Goldberg's got an Oscar and this one I can't get a gig, I'm always going to be comparing. I swim every day. And when I'm in my lane, I'm in my lane. And this person goes, whoosh, and this one can't beat me. What's the point? They're not racing me. You know, I don't go into life thinking I should be here because I'm black. I'm here because I'm good. And so I would love to see more of the female comics get theirs. And if they don't get theirs, take it. Ain't nobody going to give it to you. They're not looking at you as the one to, oh, let's find Angie. They're not. And I know they're not because I've sat down with them. and Oh, my God, can you make white people laugh? And you think, oh, for God's sake, we're still doing this again. So what I say to the comics and young people out there, find your game, learn it, develop it, train yourself in it so that no one can't tell you none. So that you know that you can be in front of the camera, behind the camera, side of the camera, have the content and make your money five times. That's what it's about. The advice I would give to my young self is do exactly what you did and always trust yourself. Trust yourself. You do know. You do know what you want to be. You do know how to get there. And don't let anybody put that doubt in your mind. It's the doubts that people make you think, what, you want to do that? Yeah, I do. So that was the way I grew up, believing I could. And so the advice back to myself would be, keep believing that. And then the advice I'd give to any young girl out there, look after yourself. Protect yourself from some of the stuff that's happening around social media, trying to be sexy before you're talented or educated or whatever. Sexy will come. Beauty will come. You know, it came for me. Well, I'm really chuffed to be honoured. You know, it's, 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 it's great. It's a nice feeling because I'm not somebody who goes in for the awards thing, if I'm honest, because I think people have to apply for awards and they get all their friends to think about whatever. I don't appreciate that. I would like someone to just say, we're just going to award you for what you do and that you're good and that you're not competing with anybody else and stuff like that. I think that is the way, that's why I accepted it, because that way you go, thank you. I appreciate that because I know you appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, and it's time to get some new shoes, you know. It's always good to get shoes. It's always good, you know, to get a little cry in there. Oh, thank you. I didn't do it. You know, it's just nice that we can honour ourselves and go, we don't need permission from everybody else. Everybody wants to run and get that award over there. The people don't want you. They don't invite you to the party. So I'll set up your own dance. So on the next episode of the Black Magic Podcast... I had an absolute breakdown. I had to go and live with my mum my mm. back in Birmingham. And um, I lost a lot of friends because I became a party girl yeah. um, as a cover for the pain. And then I just isolated myself and had this breakdown. So everybody had dropped off the radar. But then there were people that were like, where, where have you been? I'm angry with you. You're not around anymore. And I remember I'd had a panic attack and I um, saw this text from somebody saying, where have you been? You're not around anymore. And I thought, I've had enough of this. Join every episode of the Black Magic podcast by subscribing on the Acast and iTunes podcast apps. We're also on Stitcher and Player FM. All the women featured in the series will be featured on the Colour Network website, where you can see videos and images of this year's Black Magic Awards. Do spread the word and share the magic. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Unedited.